Welcome to Feeling Asia in a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And Wow, Whoa. Brian. <laughs> you have some you have some news. Oh, I have some news, but we'll talk yeah. about it and when we share our feelings. And listeners don't get excited. It's not good news. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I'm I'm super excited to jump into this week's episode, Young Me. I'm very excited. The guest um, this week, we had, you know, we had a little pre-interview and I got super excited because I feel like all of the topics that they wanted to discuss are like right up my alley. And so I've been really looking forward to this. Shall we introduce them? Yeah, no, let's not keep them waiting. Uh, Listeners, your guest this week is a writer and audio producer. And you should definitely check out her podcast, Normal Gossip. Everyone, please give your ears to Alex Sujung Laughlin. Hi. <laughs> Yay. Wait, I wanted to read the um, stats about your podcast, but is that too much? No, I think I think that's okay, although they might be a little outdated. I, re- I remember just something. <laughs> it was like top 15 podcasts or something. Now we're in the, the top no. 10. Top 10 Apple top comedy 10. podcast <gasps> charts. Wow. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> <laughs> on the charts that's amazing yeah. normal gossip i'm sure everyone's yep, so yep, yep. excited to hear from you i feel like podcast fans are like podcast people do you know what i mean so i feel like they're probably yeah. way more excited yeah they're yeah. like my personality is podcast <laughs> but you're so much more than that because you're also an accomplished writer you have been published in places like harper's bazaar but i also we were we had we've had like a weird uh we were like online friends i think we followed each other on twitter i would see a lot of your takes on twitter (laughs) and you know it's one of those new york media things where you know them from afar but you've never actually met them yes totally i don't think i follow your twitter i want to look at it should i look at it during the recording and read (laughs) some of your hot takes Sorry. Oh God, I don't know if I have any hot takes right now. Oh, I have one about uh, the Virginia Governor Youngkin, where uh-huh. every time I see his name, I think he's Korean, and then <gasps> I realize he isn't because it just looks so. It looks so close to a Korean name. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not. He's not. Uh, so, and, so you know, you at first you're like woo, and then you realize yeah. he's not Korean. You're like, like actually, oh, no. you're you're problematic and bad. And he's also very <laughs> yeah. bad. Yeah, I mean, would it have been worse if he was Korean? Probably. <laughs> you're like, I take back my support. Never mind. <laughs> that reminds mm, me. In of- my case, I'll allow it. <laughs> Do you guys know that beer? There's like a beer company called like Yingling or something. Yes. And yes. I have no idea Yo. why, but I thought it. Was, I always thought it was like a Chinese beer. So I was like, Yeah, I love this. Dude, I'm gonna yes. order the Chinese yes. beer. But it's like <laughs> from Indiana or something. It's like some white guy, and I have no idea. I think why it's, it's actually that. the oldest brewery in America. And it's like a it's, German it's name or something. Yeah. OG, yeah. I wow. learned this maybe three years ago. I thought I told all my friends that I thought it was a Chinese beer. And similar to you, they were like, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. I, I don't know what Yingling, the word Yingling. language is. Yingling. Well, isn't that like, it's like a German word or something. Should I Google it? I mean, I'm in front of the computer. Why not? It's like a German word or something, right? There's like so many vowels in it. Is it Y-E-U-N? N-G. See, it's the E-U-N-G. That's such a Korean, like... Yung. Steven Yun. Steven Yun. Yeah. Steven Yingling. Yingling. Brian, you're right. It's the oldest brewery. Fun fact about me. I don't drink, but I know 
a lot about my breweries. <laughs> oh my God, it is a German word and it means youngling or young person. Okay. Not to be confused with young lean. So don't support Swedish it if rapper you're trying to just... extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, support them. That's great. I'm, I'm happy for them, but don't support them if you're trying to support an Asian business. I mean, not that that's the only... Not that... I, I take that back. Why not? They're probably nice people. Nice billionaires. Sure they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alex, thanks for joining us on this podcast. So, but yeah, before... Brian... How are you feeling, oh. Brian? I'm cutting you off so I can hear. Okay, I'm you're sure cutting me off. To know. Oh, well, the news is I am on the tail end of another bout of the vid, the COVID, COVID round two. So right now I have a dull headache. But oh. what makes this very sad is that I'm going out of town for a bit, a vacation planned. And there was maybe a three day window. Where my girlfriend and I, we discussed this. We're like, okay, as long as nothing happens in this window, mm. we should be good. Where it won't alter our our itinerary. And lo and behold, could have, could have, you know, would have been nice to catch it if I were to catch it back in the Omicron in the height of it when all of TikTok was talking about how they had it. But nope. Mm caught the vid and it's kind of fucking with my travel plans but say <laughs> la vie that's life right murphy's law it's just how the universe is conspiring against <sighs> me so annoying <laughs> i mean that's like because i yeah. yeah i'm so sorry yeah i i don't feel great uh physically but i'm just fucking annoyed and so tired of this this dance you know i uh, i'd like yeah and then I and then I start to question my 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 moral my morals for having the opinions that I do, because <laughs> I'm like fuck fuck this. I'm so sick and tired of this at this point. Yeah, you're like an anti-masker I'm, I'm, I'm now. I'm exhausted. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. No, no, wear your mask. Yeah. Wear your mask. No, I get that because it's like I understand how people are really adamant about being safe, but we're so tired and it's like there's there is a big part of me that i'm like i don't give a fuck anymore you know i want to be the trump person yelling at yeah. the airport right i wouldn't do that but yeah i get it <laughs> yeah it's just all this on there's just so much anxiety for three days where you feel that sore throat yeah. and you're just patiently waiting you're like do i have it do i not have it well if i do have it i have to prepare for how my plans are going to change. Maybe I don't have it. And it's just exhausting. Well, I'm glad I'm here, though. Uh, thank you for the well wishes, Youngmi and Alex. But Youngmi, how are you feeling? I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. This is like, I mean, probably the listeners, this is very geared toward the listeners of Feeling Asian. But, you know, we had this guest on last week that just that's going to come out probably two weeks before this episode, Nigel the comedian who does Uncle Roger. And, you know, we have gotten a little bit of pushback from the listeners who were a little disappointed that we were, you know, I guess we had him as a guest. And Providing I, I, I totally... a platform. Yeah, and I totally... I, I can see where they're coming from, and I agree. But I also have so many mixed feelings about this. And, you know, obviously Brian knows this. Like, when we did get in contact with him to do the podcast... I had like such severe like whiplash emotions about it. I was like, 
I was like, fuck this. I hate this kind of comedy. And then I was like, oh, but this man is like really smart and he has a lot of very interesting points. And this seems like a conversation that like we should be having. And um, and then I was like, well, I, I understand like people think that we're supportive of this. And I'm like, I am not supportive of this. But then I'm like, who am I to fucking police somebody? And there are, you know, he's a comedian. It's not my totally. stance. I am the Asian. No, like I can't. You, do you know what I mean? Like I, I want everyone yeah. to have freedom. Um, and I think the reason, you know, at, at the end of the day that I was like, let's have him on the podcast is because I was so interested in thinking about him. Do you know what I mean? So I was I'm, like, this I'm 100% is, with you. Yeah, this is interesting. And it's a little scary because I'm like, I haven't listened to the episode yet. It came out today. And I don't really, I don't fully remember everything that I said. So it's kind of like, it's making me nervous that, you know, mm. I'm going to listen to it later. And I'm going to be like, oh, I wonder how people are going to hear me and mm. what they think of me, which is something I try to like, um, push against you know i don't i don't want to think that way when i make the podcast because i want you know what my opinions to be like sort of a little bit more totally pure you know i think okay part of me this could just be my covid talking but (laughs) when when you're when you're physically ill (laughs) i just don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck who gives a fuck (laughs) like i just i just want to feel better but i think I think we had a fruitful discussion. I think mm-hmm. that is the advantage of the podcast medium is that it is longer format and you can have the nuanced conversations about things that people may find quote unquote problematic or things yeah. that they might find disagreeable compared to other social media platforms like Instagram or Twitter. Twitter There's no yeah. room for nuance, you know, so it comes with any platform where you have a large following. You have a large following because you have a lot of fans, but with that, yeah. you invite a lot of haters and you invite a lot of dissent. And yeah, that's just the that's just the nature of the game. Yeah, I guess I agree with you because I don't think we I don't think people should be having these discussions on Twitter. I really don't think it's just it's gonna be a fucking anger like fucking spaghetti war. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> like everyone we should have this long form discussion, and you know it's. I, I understand why people think that I should. I sh- we shouldn't promote certain people, but also I'm like, this is this is what I this is like part of why I really wanted him on the podcast is like, he is a voice of part of the diaspora that just doesn't really. I mean, I know he's like the, one of the most famous YouTube comedians, but I'm like, that that voice is like sort of muffled in Asian American circles. You know, you hear a lot of white adjacent Asian Americans, you know, like, and there's a reason that they have a platform and their voices are like amplified and you don't hear the Asian person that came here in their twenties and has a, he, he does have an accent and he's very, very intelligent. And so I I was just like, part of me was like, dude, we have to make room for, for, you know, everyone's little POVs, I guess. Again, that sounds ridiculous because he has like 15 billion followers and I'm like, <laughs> he, no one's listening to <laughs> Nigel. Like, But you know, like we can, right. we don't have to like just be in one circle, I think. So ho- hopefully I mean, even in the last, across, yeah. Right. But even in the last presidential election, you know, we, yeah. we asked our listeners about who we should invite on. And Andrew Yang was a name that came up often. Now, Again, mm-hmm. he's similarly a very polarizing person. I personally would love to use this platform to have a conversation with Andrew Yang, despite Me what too. my personal political beliefs are. Because Same. I would, when would I have that kind of opportunity to really dive deep and figure, like, 
you know, because I, I have my opinions based on what I've read and stuff, but to actually yeah. speak to him one on one, that opportunity doesn't present itself that often. And I think that's the beauty of podcasting. Also, so, yeah, I think on I'm that trying point, to sway your anxiety. Yeah. I'm fucking chilling, but I'm also no. sick. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, fuck it. I'm I'm um, I trust myself to know yeah. that whatever I said, it was, you know, like probably honest and. But that's a great point, Brian. I just, uh, I'll end it here because I know this is getting a little long. But like, that is a good point because it's like, okay, if we're having, the, if the only time we're having discussions with people that we disagree with are on Twitter and it's like a fucking flame war. It's like, fuck you, abortion, blah, blah, blah. Like the most like 10,000 degree of whatever we're trying to talk about. It's like, it, it becomes weird because in a real, the truth is in real life, even though I disagree with Andrew Yang a lot, if we're talking like this, it's going to be a very civil and gentle conversation. We're going to, you know, we're going to disagree, but it's not going to get heated. And I'm going to understand a lot of stuff that he says, and he's probably going to understand a lot of stuff that I'm saying. And I think that's, that's good and healthy for people to see that. Do you know what I mean? So I think, yeah, so I agree. I'm glad that we did it. Yeah. You know, fun fact, I produced a podcast for the New York times during the 20 or ahead of the 2020 election uh-huh. and we had Andrew Yang on <gasps> yeah <laughs> and I got to meet him he was so nice he was like so uh-huh. kind which it like seemed very nice um says a lot because like the types of people who get interviewed by the New York Times are fancy and tend to be like speak to my assistant and nobody oh. else right um right. and but he he was super kind and like very humble which mm. was refreshing he also mm. brought his math hats for everybody <laughs> <laughs> and like signed them for adorable. everybody <laughs> and i have a picture of uh one of the hosts was ross douthat who's like one of the times um conservative opinion writers mm-hmm. yeah. and i have a picture of him wearing an andrew yang math hat which i just think oh, is wow. a beautiful piece of uh of history yeah, you, right. nobody needs. <laughs> you, cured, you healed. You cured racism. What is it? You healed yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, the bipartisan divide has no longer. <laughs> people forget that we're not our spiciest opinions. We're all very mm-hmm. nuanced, complex people. So, also Nigel was extremely sweet. He didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he's here to promote his tour, and you know, I, we we said our opinions of him, and we had a great discussion. I have no yeah. regrets. But yeah. Also, I think this has, leads into a larger discussion of what you brought up, young me, of how mm. uh, this is getting long, but I'll keep it short. But there are like white adjacent Asians who are close mm-hmm. to media. And mm-hmm. that naturally happens because most of media is very white and gatekept yep. by white executives. And this, th- yep. then there's this bifurcation of media, old guard media, legacy media versus YouTube, mm-hmm. where a lot of YouTubers don't really fit the traditional mold of you know this white gatekeepy image and there's this condescension yeah. of legacy media towards youtube because they're not getting write-ups in you know uh Culture. vogue or <laughs> t- or uh teen vogue or whatever oh. it is like these popular platforms are they're not because yeah. they don't fit the mold but that in and of itself is worth examination because yep like why 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 is there that kind of sense like numbers don't lie youtube youtube is much more meritocratic than it is and egalitarian than uh, yeah. you know trying to get a write up in in vogue and the scary thing is that conversation is muted because 
there are gatekeepers to media and like the fact that no one even talks about the Asian people that are, you know, now opening the doors for other Asian people are kind of cherry picked by white people. That's fucking that's something, you know, that's something. <laughs> that, oh, that's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> but, well, um, Alex, how are you feeling? <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'm excited to be here, um, but I'm also, you know, I've been riding a wave of anxiety the last couple of weeks um, that have, has been like showing up in my body a lot in mm. like really fun, unfun ways. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just like every day is a new adventure of like, <laughs> how is my brain going to sabotage me <laughs> today? Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, it, that's kind of like what I'm dealing with right now but um you know i kind of crafted my week around preserving my energy for this taping um so wow i'm excited to be here thank you (laughs) thank you what an honor (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm really glad you mentioned that because sometimes i feel like the hard thing that i have an issue with is like not seeing my work as like important or something so whenever i do the podcast i'm like oh who cares i recorded the podcast and then i'm mm-hmm. like laying down for hours and i'm like yeah i'm tired you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't click, so. yeah listeners so you heard it here first three podcasters recording to tell you all that podcasting is hard motherfucking work <laughs> it's really hard it sure is <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you know as we mentioned up top alex you you're an incredibly accomplished writer and audio producer uh you know your writing can be found in that's funny enough we're like screw legacy media but your writing has been published in you know some some big names but uh as we said your podcast normal gossip is on the top comedy charts however for the last decade of your career in media you're you worked as a ghostwriter and we're wondering what drew you to that and how did your identity intersect with your work in that field yeah i mean I I feel like I should preface it by saying I only worked formally as a ghostwriter for about a year, maybe mm. a year and a half when mm-hmm. I was in college. That was my first um, internship back in college. I helped this uh, this guy <laughs> write a memoir for this like old Republican businessman, um, uh. which was weird. <gasps> and I got that job just because I was really really intense about career stuff when I was in college I like mm-hmm. wanted to set myself up perfectly and so like any opportunity I saw I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do this internship I'm gonna do that yeah. volunteer thing and um so like this was like a weird a weird internship and I was like I don't want to be a writer this mm-hmm. sounds yeah. cool but it was like a weird experience where I was like you know 19 and I was writing like chapters of a memoir of this like old Republican man like from the 80s Um, (laughs) and I was like you know whatever it was cool and I didn't really think about like what it would mean that like maybe this would be published one day Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have my name on it and Mm. I I was compensated you know like $200 a week which was great at the time um, for like the work I was doing Um, but yeah I, I have had a career in essentially legacy media since then first Mm -hmm. in social media and Mm. then um, in audio production producing podcasts and what I've realized throughout those jobs is that like both of those jobs are sort of 
ancillary professions in the media world that Mm. serve a similar role as a ghostwriter to who is considered the talent. Mm. So like in social media, it's the reporters. It's the people who came up in these traditional ways, which like Mm. that says something in terms of the kind of access you had to those jobs and also your age and, you know, Mm. whatever. So I, I would be in a situation where like I have this great expertise. I know how to, you know, package a story with a headline and an image and get it to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. that that takes skill. That That's like marketing, that's editorial, that's news judgment. It's all of these things combined. Of but course. I wasn't seen as a journalist, like a serious journalist, the way these mm. other people were who were sort of out in the field filing mm. stories in Microsoft Word right. <laughs> and then sending it in. Um, yeah. And then in audio production, it's been really similar. You know, it depends on the kind of show you're doing, but I've done a lot of productions where I was a producer on a documentary style show where there's a host. Um, and the producers generally do the most of the work in terms Mm. of the reporting and the writing of the scripts and the Mm. shaping of the whole show. Um, And then the host will come in and read the script. And Mm. what happens is that, like, I have this experience of, like, seeing a host, you know, I think I wrote about this in an essay, but, like, there was one host I worked with who, like, really seemed incapable of, like, accessing empathy at all. Mm. And they, like, fought with me about, um, you know, some lines I added in that kind of added some empathy to the story we were telling they were like i i don't understand why that line's in there and i'm like Mm. you gotta trust me (laughs) like we need to (laughs) we need to have some empathy here and then i watched them recording the words that i wrote Mm. and i just realized i was like 27 and i was like oh my god like I am doing the same job that I did when I was 19. I am just, oh. it's just in a different form. I'm mm. writing words for people. I guess my follow-up question here is, give us the literary tea. How can you, <laughs> like, is there a way to know if something is ghostwritten or not? Because, mm. like, yes. <laughs> I, as I've gotten older, I've become more and more disillusioned. Like, even with oh stand-up gosh. specials, I'm like, you didn't fucking write that shit. You just told you had a writer write all that for you and you just tell the mm-hmm. jokes. That's like yep. 90% of the work right there. So a lot, a lot of books are ghostwritten. Um, mm. There's there are some pretty easy tells. It's like if a book has two names on the title, that's like mm. tell one if it's like Hillary Clinton with so and so. Okay. The so-and-so is usually the ghostwriter and, um, you know, the Hillary Clinton is the name. Um, Another, you know, that's the most obvious way. I think Mm -hmm. the more subtler uh, tell that you can you can find is um, in the acknowledgments. There will often be an acknowledgement that's something along the lines of like, thank you to so-and-so without your help in the research process or like thank you to so-and-so for helping shape this story or bring Mm -hmm. this story to life. It'll be something kind of vague (laughs) like that. But oftentimes there's, it's kind of a code and like ghostwriters will negotiate for different types of acknowledgements. Yeah. um, Mm. Whether it's that kind of acknowledgement or having their name on the book. Well, the thing, I feel like even if you are um, like a celebrity, that's like if you're Hillary Clinton, 
for me, if I was that big of a celebrity writing a book with a ghostwriter, I already know that most people, even when they look at the cover, they're not going to even notice the other name. They're going to be like, oh, it's Hillary yeah. And then somebody like yeah. that. So it wouldn't even really bother me, I think. Wow. Interesting. And all the times I've read books that said special thank you to my wife. <laughs> Couldn't have yeah, done this that's one. a big one. <laughs> Again, wife yeah. doing all the work. Classic. <laughs> this is what I'm like really interested in because I feel like so what i'm noticing is that you made like a recent switch to become very open um and putting your name on your work and writing for yourself um and i'm like i'm guessing that was like a conscious effort in your part like kind of aligned with the story that you were telling where you saw this person without empathy reading your words um like yeah what what was that journey like for you like what what was the i guess you know because it was like a choice right like how did you mm -hmm. come to that yeah, it happened over, I would say, the course of several years, mm -hmm. um, maybe even like four or five years. Uh, oh, wow. Pretty much the entire time that I've been working as an audio producer, I've been like, wait a second. Like mm -hmm. the, the division of labor versus the sort of attention and reward that producers get versus hosts mm -hmm. is really vast um and and not necessarily in a show like this one where it's kind of you two kind of putting it together but yeah. i mean more like in a a big budget like a corporation has hired a production team mm -hmm. to put together a show like i heard yeah. that um, new york times you can't even look at michael barbaro in the eye <laughs> i just made that up <laughs> uh, oh my god um no comment <laughs> but um yeah, I, I think that like, you know, I don't think anybody gets into journalism. I I guess I'll rephrase that. I think very few people get into journalism thinking like, yeah, I want to I want to work in like the service industry equivalent of journalism. Mm -hmm. Like I want to mm. serve these like fancy people for my entire career. Right. Yeah. Um, in my early jobs, I was like, OK, like this this is the deal. I have to, you know, do the the small things um, and, and eventually build up to a place where people are interested in hearing what I have to say. Right. And yeah. as the years went on, I realized that like that wasn't going to be given to me. Nobody yeah. was going to mm. be like, hey, Alex, what do you think? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm. I had I ha and in fact, they'd be like, if they did ask, what do I think? It would be in service of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um. So I just realized the toll that it was taking and it started uh, probably in like 2018 or 2019 where mm -hmm. I realized that in my journal, I was just writing the same things over and over again that were like, I'm so tired. I'm yeah. so tired. Mm -hmm. I'm so frustrated. Um, and I remembered how like when I was in college and, and even before I had such a like thriving creative internal life and mm -hmm. I spent mm. so much time writing for myself yeah. and I felt like I had forgotten how to do that. Mm. Um, mm. And so that's kind of where it started. So I started sort of exploring what it might be like to think of myself as a writer um, and investing oh in that with my, my time. I have so many thoughts on this. I have so many mm. thoughts on like the psychology of that personally, because, you know, I, I went through something similar in my life. I think just like ha feeling as anybody, all, all of us as individuals feeling like we have the right to be creatives or writers mm -hmm. or express our opinions um, and like the journey of like 
like grasping onto that I think is like a huge one um but uh, yeah I think that like what you what you said I think is really interesting like no one start no one like wants a job in journalism um like the reason you want to be a journalist I'm guessing for most people is because you you know you like writing and you you like your stories yeah you want to tell your story and have your name on your story not write Mm -hmm. something for like I don't know, Megan Kelly or what, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. who, right? Like who, can, who gives a shit, right? But um, I, I have so many thoughts on that. Like the ownership of that. I feel like a lot of people believe that they don't have the right. And so that they mm-hmm. end up doing work, like the work that you were doing. And it's a whole mm-hmm. entire process for them to gain the like confidence and realization that everyone has the right. And if, if that's, you know, if you want to share your stories, that's like, you should, have the right to do that there's some nuance here that i think is really important where it's like that work that is in service of other people is not bad work no and i think that what makes it so difficult to do is that it it doesn't receive the respect that it deserves Mm. right Um, Mm -hmm. and like if you're working on a project where not everybody's named at the end you know that that might be evidence that you're working on a really collaborative project, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. But like the collaborative effort should be recognized. Feels bad. And I think like that's like the really the really important thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in one of your essays, um, you wrote that uh, you know this was in your time working in social media, which, as you mentioned, is ancillary to the reporters. The reporters mm-hmm. are, are get all the glam and glory. Um, but you said that there's something interesting here where in the social media departments, it is disproportionately female and yet they mm. are not receiving the respect that it's warranted. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, have you, has that come up for you in your career in media where just because you were a woman that you would automatically were already being condescended towards or not receiving mm. the respect that you deserved? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that the two kind of feed on each other. Yeah. Um, and, and I can't speak now to like what the demographic breakdown of the average social media department is today. Mm. But yeah. when I was working in social media, our team was so diverse, so young, lots of women. Mm. And I was like, this is amazing. I love this. And it, it was a really affirmative place to be um, because of that. We were kind mm. of this this bubble inside a larger, much wider newsroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would happen is that when one of us would sort of leave the bubble and have to go talk to somebody in another department, mm-hmm. we, we were just children t- mm-hmm. in their eyes. And, mm-hmm. and not only were we just children, we were like children with wacky hair and with tattoos who like, yeah. you know, were playing with their phones all the time. Like we weren't serious journalists. And I think mm-hmm. all of those biases against um, mm-hmm. race and gender and age uh, come into play in that situation where I like go up to an art critic and I'm like, okay, it's my job to teach you how to use Snapchat. And she's mm-hmm. like, get the hell out of my face. <laughs> you know? Oh God. Man, I'm, I'm so fucking over that shit. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. they're getting like 20 likes on, on this stu- like lo- literally <laughs> losing millions of dollars. <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that. Like young, me mentioned, it's been a choice and you know, you, you've taken it's been a choice to take more ownership of your work mm-hmm. in a more public light it, your your name is on your podcast you are mm-hmm. the producer of the podcast and everyone knows it and should know it 
has that yeah i guess i'm imagining that there are a few listeners out there who are feeling have a similar entry in their journal where they're doing Mm -hmm. ancillary Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. and they want their voices to be heard what do you have any advice or what was i guess yeah what was that like moment for Mm. you i i really think it's like the culmination of a lot of small choices Mm -hmm. um and also of like setting boundaries for yourself so um so i'm a freelancer now but i quit my full-time job in podcast production last summer and when i quit i was like you know i am ready to like go all in on my career now Mm -hmm. and like do more writing be more public facing um and i was not going to produce any more podcasts for a while mm-hmm. i just i i couldn't do it i had like some pretty significant trauma and i was like mm-hmm. i just need to let it go for a little bit um but this defector opportunity came along um mm-hmm. defector is the company that uh produces normal gossip and mm-hmm. name dropping which is the other show i launched with them and you know defector is an employee owned cooperative mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. You know, there isn't kind of the bureaucratic nonsense of like, you know, we have VC funding and therefore we must like triple our returns every quarter or whatever. Um, And they're also really, really labor oriented and like labor centric. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what that meant was that I could have really frank conversations really early on with the team Mm -hmm. where I remember what in one of my first meetings with Kelsey, she was like, okay. What is a bad host? What mm. do you need to like be happy as a producer? <laughs> and so I like articulated things. I was like, I want my name to be like up there with yours. Like right. this is a co-production and I want this to reflect that. Um, I also wrote that into my contract with Defector. And I think that's, that that's something that more producers should be thinking about. Yeah. Mm. Um, we have... Um, made a really conscious effort whenever Kelsey gets press requests mm-hmm. to talk about the podcast, she includes me in them. So we're, mm. we're always right. dually answering questions um, and also pitching me out to podcasts to talk about it like this yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. That's great. So it's, it's a combination of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know I what know I love hearing? <laughs> yeah. I, what I love hearing is like, okay, I really like how Brian brought up. I, I feel like a lot of people, that's what I, what I was trying to touch on earlier. I think a lot of people are finding themselves in your shoes where you were mm-hmm. and they're trying to make that shift. Um, mm-hmm. But something that you're bringing up that I didn't even really consider is that the world is sort of set up for this system where there's like some fucking yeah. woman, a queer woman of color doing all the work and some fucking yes. old white guy taking all the credit. That's like how the system's set up. And so I, I really like your example because you're saying it came to you that you wanted this for your career and you found a workplace that sort of fit your idea of what you wanted to do. And I think it shows that it, it really, it, it's not only us that need to like want to change our lives. Mm-hmm. We need these workplaces to evolve and accept yes. this sort of, fresh way of thinking and I think that's a very important thing it's like you know maybe you're out there listening to this and being like well I want to be I'm tired of like doing this work for other people but you have to also recognize that it's not just your fault quote unquote fault Mm -hmm. it's just like this is just how things are set up and it's it's not good right so Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I mean like I I feel like 
if I were a good worker in uh-huh. quotes, big old yeah. quotes, uh-huh. yeah. I would I would have just continued being invisible because that's what that's what a good worker would do. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like a lot of what this journey has been for me has been sort of disrupting this image of myself as like good and pleasant and agreeable and be and it's yeah. so uncomfortable for it me is. because it feels like confrontation to be it's like, no, feeling. I don't want to be what you want me to be. Mm. Um and I, I've like felt so sick over it over the last few years. I've been like, yeah. do people hate me because I'm doing this? It's like, no, they don't I know. care. But <laughs> it, it feels really right. hard. I really right. relate to that. It's like just, just like putting up, I think for a lot of people, like putting up a boundary that's healthy and being yeah. like, no, I deserve to have my name on this because I fucking wrote it. That feels like, I'm sorry, my bitch. I'm sorry. Like that's how it feels <laughs> for me too. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it feels yeah. so. Wow. But both of both ways feel Wh- bad. Ugh. Woo! Well, but I'm proud of you. Alex, you did I, it. I'm really proud of you. Yes. Um, <laughs> but speaking of you know being invisible and shining out of that, uh, I want to touch on one of these essays that you wrote for Harper's Bazaar, and you wrote about how you and your mother both see ghosts. And you've said that ghosts feel distinctly Korean to me, and there's something I've shared closely with my mother. Can you elaborate on this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I don't, you know, I don't see ghosts today as like fully formed apparitions walking around. Um, but growing up with my mom you know, she talked about ghosts in a very casual way. She's mm-hmm. like very chill about them. She'd be like, oh yeah, like <laughs> my grandmother came to visit <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, That's how my mom I, talks I talk about, about it too. Yeah, it's like very chill. Um, and, you know, my grandmother, my mom's mom died when my mom was pretty young. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was little, Who's to say if it was my imagination or what? But like right. I saw her when I was scared at night. Like she would she would come yeah. and be with me. And, mm. you know, I think that in part because my connection with like the supernatural has been like primarily through this like maternal line mm-hmm. on my mm. Korean side, it feels it has always just felt very connected to the Koreanness. Um mm. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember when I was younger, I, I, when I didn't know so much about Korean history and Korean culture and I'd be <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, my mom's super Korean. She loves ghosts. And people would be like, what? <laughs> that is such, um, for me, I think it's a totally <laughs> Korean thing too. Yeah. My mom, yeah. Ghosts are a K- Korean. All ghosts are Korean. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you see ghosts, Youngmi. I do. I see ghosts all the time. I, and I fully believe in them, but I don't know. I was telling Do my you mom see, like full apparitions. Yes. Like people. Yeah. Holy crap. I was wow. telling my mom that I was like, I think I'm like a budang. You know, like budang is like the <laughs> fortune, like the uh, shaman, like the Korean yeah. female shaman. And my mom like mm-hmm. literally stopped, like hung up the phone and like didn't call me for months. She's like, don't ever, really? don't ever look into that. Don't ever look into that. I was like, I might go and like talk to a budang and ask. Cause I think I'm like, I see ghosts and I'm psychic. And she wow. was like, don't you know my mom says that too she 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 will say like you know i could explore this if i wanted to but i don't Mm. want to and i i remember i had this like really 
intense meditation experience when I was in college yeah. where I went to this hour long meditation at my yoga studio and I went into this very deep place where I started yeah. to get really scared and I was like seeing things. Um, and I, t- I called my mom and she was like, you need Don't. to, you need yeah. to stay in the light, like stay away from that. I've had that experience so meditating too. I had to stop yeah. doing Whoa. meditation because I had this thing where what? I was like, they're running to, I did, I'm, I thought I told you, Brian. <laughs> I, I had to stop I'm meditating because I saw I ghosts COVID. running toward me. <laughs> I saw them running toward me and I would like, wow, it freaked me out too much. Yeah. But can oh I, was like, I was in a spiral staircase and they were like coming up the stairs. What? Oh my God, mine, mine looked like they were running toward my head. Like they're trying, wow. it was almost like I tapped into something and they're like, oh, we got one. And then they're like running toward me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they were like, oh, we got, oh, she's listening. She's listening. Everyone hurry. Like it felt like that. It was too much. Oh, I kind of love that. I know. I kind of want to look into wow. it a little bit. My mom's like, don't, do not. Well, can I ask you something that's kind of related to what we were talking about, um, mm-hmm. about this article? I, you know, it is a very personal article. And this is the other thing, because we were talking about how, you know, when, when you're when you're writing and creating and you don't have ownership of it, that feels very bad. But what I discovered mm-hmm. after I sort of like started doing shit on my own and putting my name on it was the vulnerability of that was shitty and hard and it was something I never really like thought about because like when when I was like living my life in service to other people like for me it was like my ex-husband like putting all my energy into his career there was Mm -hmm. like he was the face so whatever whatever like people would talk shit to him on twitter and hurt his feelings but nobody ever came for me I was protected in that way even though all of my efforts and energy and uh, creative energy was going into this thing right but now I'm the front-facing wall and that's been a very difficult transition for me personally have you experienced that just I just ask because your your essays are so personal you know you know, my husband gets more freaked out about how vulnerable I am in my writing than I do. And mm. um, maybe it's because I started writing on the internet when I was like in high school and mm. <laughs> my brain like developed along with <laughs> the internet and um and I'm okay putting a lot of stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um I it is interesting though because when you write really personal things, people think they know you. And yeah. so I've had mm-hmm. a lot of experiences of people like reaching out to me, strangers who like think they're my friend because they know these things about me mm-hmm. um, and I don't know them, which I guess this is just like what a parasocial relationship is. Um, right. But I, I've never really been on the other side of that. And it's been weird and interesting to um, to navigate. You've also written about this, how, you know, you are biracial and your mother is mm-hmm. Korean and um in your like your mom was a bit reserved and reticent about you exploring that side of your family history because <laughs> mm. there's there's too much pain there i think you described it as like a close it's a locked door yeah yeah she <laughs> my sister and i have this joke about asking our mom about her life where it's like she won't tell us anything and then she'll just like you know fuck us up with like one story every 10 years and be yeah like, oh yeah this happened and we're like oh, oh my god yeah <laughs> and it's like during and breakfast or something like yes, on, the, yes, on a tuesday yeah yeah 
And and she doesn't tell me and my sister the same things. And so we know different, like, horrific things. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's strange because I, I think that she's tickled by my interest in Korean culture and history and in mm-hmm. my own Korean identity because um, for a long time she was like, you're white. You're just, you're white. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Because mm-hmm. my dad's white. And um and also, like, my early years, my elementary school years, we lived in Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, which I think also informed that, where, like, I was the white kid in my school, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't. And and then we would, like, move to another place. My stepdad was in the army. So mm-hmm. um, then, like, the racial dynamics of the new place would be totally different. But she has not been the most wild about everything I've written um, but I'm, I'm learning that like when you're a person who writes personal things mm-hmm. that like, it's very important to check with the people who show up in your writing mm. before it gets published. So I'm glad I'm learning this now. Has she ever axed anything outright? <laughs> Not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had to work really hard to get her to come onto a podcast with me a few years ago. Um, it was a mother's day episode, of, uh, and she was like, I have nothing to say. Like, my accent's too strong. I'm going to mm-hmm. mess up my English. And I was like, no, you're going to be great. It took forever to get her to say yes. And she ultimately did, which was, it was really special. Oh, That is so sweet. Yeah. I'm I'm planning to do that with, on Mother's Day with my mom, actually. That's so interesting. Oh, Look I at us that. podcasters with our podcast ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like, that'd be I a great episode. Yeah, so we're recording I, I with her next week. I cannot get enough of... Yeah. Um, Korean moms like their their voices their accents they're just, so funny I love it I love old Korean people <laughs> they're mean mm-hmm. but they're funny yeah I've never <laughs> laughed harder in my life actually I wrote this article because I was gonna I was gonna bring it up because I was like this is the one thing that I ever got published I wrote this article oh, nice. about I interviewed the uh, Henya in Korea like the old Jeju divers yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. and it was in uh, Lucky Peach but there was a clip that they published in Harper's Bazaar so I was like telling people I was like oh I'm in Harper's Bazaar but that was like the only thing that I've ever had <laughs> written but um, <laughs> But it was really fun interviewing them because they have this way of talking. It's like a sing-songy. It's like, you know how some people, like this old people in the South in America, they Mm -hmm. like just speak Mm -hmm. very like beautifully. It's like almost like a Mm -hmm. lyrically or something like that. So they have a way of speaking that's like that. I I just remember like being like, man, I love you guys. We're going to shift gears a little bit and go into our fun little lightning round section of the podcast. I'm ready. And uh, Yeah, you're ready. (laughs) <laughs> Young me's ready. I'm ready. Are, Alex, are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Um, Alex, this is what we want to know. And that is, what is something that you're loving right now? I So I said I would prepare and then I didn't prepare. No, it's good, good when you don't prepare. Um, it's more fresh. Give us Great. the raw, give us the raw, <laughs> yeah. vulnerable truth. I am always loving knitting. I got <gasps> into knitting again uh, during the pandemic and have just like, my friend got me a sock knitting kit in october of 2020 and i just literally have not stopped since then whoa um, can so i see right Can now we see? i'm knitting <gasps> i'm doing a i'm starting a sweater oh my um, god you're you're almost yeah. there i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah almost there it's the next band um but it just it it i just don't get sick of it and it mm. it just brings me so much peace it's almost like meditating or you know um are they called mala beads in Buddhism where mm. you kind of, or like a rosary yeah, um, where you like, you do one action over and over again. 
Um, but it, it just brings me so much comfort. Um, Whoa. So, big knitting girl. Yo. I want to knit. That's... I always, I have this irrational fear that if I ever start knitting something, I'm going to actually act like accidentally knit myself into like a ball and I'd be like, ah, I'm trapped. <laughs> I'm trapped in this ball. <laughs> Sorry. I, no, I really love it because it's, it can be really terrifying because yeah. you're like, ah, like this is a single piece of string that I'm somehow going to tie into a sock or a sweater yeah. or whatever. And, but it's just like such a wonderful reminder that I can do hard things and Aww. I just like need to be patient and like keep mm -hmm. showing up to it. Oh, I love That's that. Awesome. Wow. I'm going to try it. Wow. <laughs> I need some. I had no I idea knitting. Like Who that? knew knitting could be so poetic? I love that. <laughs> I love it. Well, conversely, Alex, what is something you're hating right now? I am hating how my anxiety affects my body. Mm. Mm. I I just I have bad insomnia. I'm mm -hmm. having tummy issues, mm -hmm. like muscular things. Last night I was like massaging my scalp because my scalp hurt, and I just yeah. I'm so sick of anxiety. Has knitting helped with your yeah. anxiety? Yes, yes. Mm. It it definitely like gives me something to do, and like at this point I can't be on a Zoom call. Yeah, usually with without like i'm often knitting like under the table mm. um yeah and That's if i'm like advice. having a particularly stressful day i like i'll just like step away from my desk and knit for like 30 minutes oh i love that the scalp thing is I've, so real yeah. sometimes i'll start massaging it i'm like why is my scalp sore it's because i'm clenching my fucking skull muscles all day like are there muscles <laughs> up there i just yeah there have to be if like if the massage helps so much, it like feels so good. I want to give you I want to give you a scalp massage. I'm really good at that. Oh my gosh, wow. scalp and jaw, my specialty. Uh, I've noticed I it. recently that with my anxiety, it's been physiological first, mm. and then mm -hmm. my anxiety yeah. would follow. Yeah, and I've come oh, to this realization in the past year where before I thought I would be anxious, and then a weird thing would happen to my body. Uh -huh. For me, it's a weird thing happened with my body. Then anxiety follows. Mm, interesting. Wow. I hate that loop. Yeah, I know. Namely, my stomach. Once oh, my yeah. stomach is thrown for a loop, I'm like, fuck me. Panic attack incoming in <laughs> three, two, one. That's so interesting, Brian. Or do you think it's like yeah. hitting your body before you're real? Like it's happening, but then it like takes you a while to realize it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's fascinating. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it's all connected, but yeah. I don't know. It's it's a way of, for me to make sense of what's going on and why it feels so weird. Um, I mean, sometimes the anxiety is like so um, so suppressed that you're like not you're not sensing it, and that's like why it goes to the body. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh. It's like yeah. I I've had periods where I know that I should be anxious or I like would be anxious. Yeah, but I'm not. But mm -hmm. like. I have some like really messed up thing happen to my body or like all of my muscles lock up in my shoulders and I'm like, oh, that's right. where the anxiety went. And like my head's totally clear. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, Holy I started shit. to like unclench my jaw. I know. It's so hard. <laughs> anxiety. <laughs> Group uh. unclench. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listeners, you know the drill to hear the juicy, the hot tea which we know Alex is full of because she gave us the hot <laughs> literary tea up top. But to, to hear Alex's answer to what she is ashamed of, you're going to have to go to our Patreon and subscribe. 
at patreon.com slash feelingasian. So Alex, drum roll. What is something you're ashamed of? <laughs> I am ashamed of how much I still... Oh, God. <sighs> wow. Well, Alex, thank you for... The, you the vulnerability you showcased and <laughs> sharing it's got got me spiraling a bit in a good way oh god <laughs> one of the, i feel like every time we have a guest brian and they're like oh i'm ashamed of this i'm like damn me too me too <laughs> fuck i'm like oh fuck. yeah me too oh my god i forgot about that one uh. <laughs> um but this has been a lovely conversation so far and we like to ask our guests this one last question before we let them go and that is alex what is something that you're proud of mm. well i am 30 i'm almost 30 and a half and <laughs> um i like am still learning really really big lessons about like how my my life's trauma has informed like how i interact with people mm. like my, my relationships and my responses to things. And I'm just, I'm really proud that like, like growing didn't stop when I was like 18 or something. Mm. And I, you know, that's true for everybody, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really proud that I like have built a life for myself where it's possible for me to like have like giant epiphanies about who I am and why I am the way I am mm. um, and change from that like and be able to be like okay i act this way with my my friends because of this reason and i can do something about that and like make it better um, oh so yeah i'm i'm like re really proud i like went through a big like growth phase the last month or so um mm. where i had this big realization about my past and um yeah it's just it's cool to to get to keep growing Proud wow. of continual growth. And I, I, love I have that. to say, I know you said that, like, that's true for everyone. Some people do stop growing at 18. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And they never. Yeah. I, I would say change. between the ages of 22 to 27, I, there, wasn't any mu there wasn't much growth happening with me. <laughs> <laughs> but we picked things back up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm realizing, like, very fundamental things about how I interact with people and I'm 30 and yeah. I'm like, my parents had me when they were like 22. How the mm, hell wow. are they like adults who had children and then were like also having to figure these things out? Yeah. I mean, fun fact, they, they didn't, but like <laughs> they're figuring it out now. <laughs> fun fact. Uh, yeah, that's not a fun fact. No. That's my, that's my parents too. My mom too. I'm like, damn, you were, I'm so lost. When I had my son, I was the same age that my mom had me. Mm. And I was like, damn, I was so fucking lost. But I I'll, I agree. I I like didn't really like know like know anything until my 30s, I feel like about myself. And the wow. my 30s have been like really great. Oh, I'm so excited so much to be better. more 30. <laughs> 30s are this is like the best decade I've ever had in my life. I got a phone call from my dad kind of recently <gasps> that made me cry because what? He, well, he was in LA and then out of nowhere. So my dad is a pretty, he keeps his emotions pretty close to his heart. And he called me out of nowhere and he was just like, hey, I, you know, he was just reminiscing and feeling very wistful, which was very unusual. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in your, uh, 
you know, in your college town. And it's, it's making me, it reminds me like of the passage of time. And mm. I remember when I dropped you off here in college and Aww. my dad apologized to me and he said, Oh, I wish, you know, I, I've been traveling a lot lately and I wish I feel, he's like, I feel bad that I've sent you away, you know, for so many, for so many mm. long stretches of your life. And I wish we can, we spent more time together, but it's a, it's okay. Like we can spend more time together going forward, but I just wanted to let you know that. And I was like, what the, f- what? This is a phone call I did not expect. Oh my God. But yeah. So it was really touching. Yeah. yeah really but beautiful. I, it was just so shocking to me too, because my dad, I, and I, and I inherited from him too. I'm quite stubborn and he can be quite stubborn. But yeah. in that moment, I was like, wow, I, holy cow. <laughs> yeah that's beautiful that's so sweet you know i recent like i was spending i spent a little because you know mino spends half his time away from me my son and i'm like very concerned about that and like what it's doing to him because i just feel like we're just we just spend half our time apart like you know when i i remember being a little kid and that was really hard for me not to see my mom for a day let alone you know four and I just, I don't know. That's just very touching. I feel like there's nothing in, in the world that I would make me... I mean, obviously, I, I don't know. I might take that back. Like, sending, you know, like... Oppor- I feel like anything in the world that I want for my son is just for him to be close to me, you know? But who knows? I might yeah. change my mind. So that's like... Yeah, it's very emotional. <laughs> I know how um, your dad feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't. I, so I thought that was sorry to bring the mood down. I guess I don't no, know. No, that's really touching, but, Brian. Well, <sighs> thank you for this wonderful conversation, Alex. And for our listeners out there, where can they find you and your work online? Oh, well, I'm on all of the social medias under Alex Laughs, uh, spelled how it sounds. <laughs> and um, Normal Gossip is. Uh, about to start its second season so you can find that um, wherever you listen to podcasts um and what about you young me oh you can find me at ym mayor or young me mayor on tiktok um how about you brian uh, you guys can find me on socials at it's brian park and while you're at it be sure to uh subscribe check out our in our socials at it feeling asian podcast on all social media channels youtube and yeah leave I'm, us a always, review. I'm all about the youtube i'm trying to give us five a stars star. okay young me it's time to do some patreon shout outs i'm ready ready? yeah all right quick reminder to our listeners if if you haven't figured it out by now that's on you but if you want to support us and support the podcast you can do so on patreon at patreon.com slash feeling asian any donation amount gets you a shout on the podcast check it out check out our benefits but this is our this is our Patreon duty right now. So yeah. first shout out for this episode goes out to Xian Kim. Uh, th- last name King. Kim Kim. Oh Kim! I was like, dang. <laughs> I wish I, I wish my last name was Kim. Kim is also cool. Kim is also cool. Most common, but not as cool as King. King. Let's be real. <laughs> you know how they like Xian Kim. Xian Kim. I don't know. I'm, now I'm getting king energy, big, powerful <laughs> energy from this person. The vibe of the name Kim sounded felt a little kingy. Yeah. Some so Xian Kim is just a is just a <laughs> humble king. Powerful. Maybe this is my powerful psychic king. energy. Maybe they're from the line of royalty. 
You know how like all Asian immigrant parents are like, my our great great grandfather was a uh, emperor. <laughs> this is Shion general. Kim. Yeah, like this is their yeah. history. I think when when <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt said, "Speak softly," oh wait, or was it Franklin Roosevelt? I th- when they said, I think "Speak it was softly." <laughs> When Franklin Roosevelt said, speak softly and carry a big stick, yeah. he was envisioning Xi'an Kim. Yep, exactly. That's the energy I'm getting. Powerful energy here. Um, next shout out goes out to Kiani Kodama. Kiani Kodama. Oh my God. That reminds- be, uh, yeah. This is going to get me canceled, but no. Kiani Kodama. This is, a per- this is a name that I would see at the end credits for an epic video game. Like, Video game designer Kiani Kodama. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian getting racist with it. <laughs> but we haven't had any game designers in our guesses, so I'm going to guess game designer. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I think the job is the yeah that maybe like a designer like a ga- man. That's such a cool job. I always I remember being a kid. I don't even like video games, but when I was a kid, I was like, that's a that's gonna be that's a cool job. A cool yeah, job I, as video I game designer. Totally get yeah, I get that. I get that vibe. Oh, so oh, you're getting that vibe, but not in a racist way. But for no. me, yeah, it yeah. Was, it w- for me, it was a racist way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that vibe in a non-stereotypical Asian way. Yeah, respectfully. A respectful way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Kiani. Next shout out goes out to Heji Cho. Heji Cho. Um. Heji. I feel like mm. I know. I know someone named I'm getting Hedgie yeah. hosts a lot of potlucks at their place. Definitely a dinner party type of person here. Yep. <laughs> dinner party, nice natural wine, some candles, you know? Oh, some some nat pret. <laughs> pet nat? Is that a type of uh, some pet nat? <laughs> <laughs> nat pret. I'm having some nat pret over here, Brian in the corner doesn't drink. Can I have some nat doesn't- pret? Can I have some nat pret, please? Oh my god, that reminds me of the story when I was working at a cafe and somebody walked in, like with a, this guy walked in with a date, and I could tell that he had just like looked at the menu really quick, and then he was like, "Do you have any prosciutto here?" And I was like, "Oh my god," he tried to say prosciutto to impress this date. <laughs> That's like Brian. Oh, wonderful prosciutto we're having. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Prosciutto is a hard word to pronounce. It is. And you it's know a what? delicious if you, food. If you mispronounce pudejige, I'm not going to give you a hard time about it. You're right. Yeah, we're being too hard Everyone, on people. Everyone, we all make mistakes. Yeah, we uh, until we didn't, we made the mistakes, we were really mean. But now that we made the mistakes, we're like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Pret nat. Pret nat happens to all of us. <laughs> uh, next shout out goes out to Fanny. Fanny, well, how do I feel about Fanny? Fanny feels so like organic to me. I feel like if with a name like Fanny, you have to have like some organic, natural wine sort of li- life. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Fanny, I was singer songwriter. What? What? Oh, so What's you're, your vibe? Oh, I was gonna guess Twitch streamer. Mm. But Twitch streamer is the complete opposite of granola crunchy. Yeah. Esalen cults. They both don't like their parents the and they yeah, they both don't like their parents and they went very different routes with it. Is what yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm getting I'm going hyper 100 gex. Yeah. Probably listens to the same music as Mino. You're <laughs> going you're going like natural soap. Yeah. Zero waste energy. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Zero carbon Annie, footprint. Annie, DM us and tell us who's right. <laughs> and our, la- our last shout out for this episode goes out to Ashley Wong. Ashley Wong. Ashley Wong is very... Um, Man, I'm feeling like a fucking crunchy, natural wine vibe from everybody today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ashley, could you, could you not see Ashley Wong hosting a dinner party? And you go there and they're like, they've made the most beautiful quiche you've ever, some something like hard to make. And you're like, all right, it's 10 a.m. on a Sunday and you, you made, okay. I'm wow. going to, I'm, I'm not getting that vibe again. <laughs> this one, this getting? one I'm very confident about. What? Ashley Wong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess is the most desired hottest person in San Francisco. Like every tech billion, she matches with every tech billionaire on hinge. Wow. Hot person about town, about Corda Madera. What was, but she probably that? works pa- in Palo tech Alto. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. Palo Alto tech person. Well, those two things can be one person. Cause I feel like San Francisco is a big crunchy place. So, <laughs> Ashley's really better than me food, you know, very (laughs) knows how to make a very difficult food item knows about wine. Also tech powerful and hot. There we go. Most importantly. Yeah. Women in tech, women in STEM contain multitudes. We support it here on feeling Asian. Yep. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Well, in any case, thank you all. This is a great group. Thank you all for supporting the podcast and uh yeah nat pret as a reminder don't forget to drink your nat prets don't next time you're you're feeling litty on your nat prets and you're feeling generous go to patreon.com slash feeling asian anyways i think that's it everyone bye thank you bye bye